The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WINNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And next, we're brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a free-to-play app that allows you to bet on all your favorite NFL player props for a chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at BetterFantasy.com SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Fantasy.com SGPN. And finally, we're brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's S-O-B-E-T dot I-O slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts right there in the palm of your hand. Download the SGPN app wherever it is you download apps. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 109, goes out to the Beatles, number nine, number nine, number nine. My millennial co-host has no idea what I'm talking about, but some of you old heads may know. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I would be your host, Jeff Fox. You may know me from such places as the sportsgamblingpodcast.com, where I edit and write, and my MMA site, mma-manifesto.com where you all should head over and at the very least enter our pick'em contest that we have running for the big pay-per-view that we're going to cover this episode of this year podcast, the MMA gambling podcast. And if you're listening to us on our feed, MMA, MMA gambling podcast feed, thank you. Um, that we actually, it, it's a win-win for both of us. It, it gets our numbers up and you get the podcast earlier than you do on the main SGPN feed. So win-win and heck, if you like what we're doing, Give us a review and a rating. It helps keep the lights on in the MMA Gambling Podcast studios. We have two studios also. We're international. Because the other studio, this studio I'm speaking to you right now, is from the freezing cold winter wonderland of Canada. Um, My associate co-host, he's probably in winter wonderland too because he's not too far down south, but he's he's across the border from me. What can I tell you about him? I think I named him the grumpiest, the youngest or the grumpiest young youngest guy around. Grumpiest youngest old man. I don't know, something like that. He he's a grumpy young guy. Um, he's the guy. If you've listened to the podcast before, he's he's the guy who no sells all of my amazing jokes. Apparently, he has no humor or doesn't know a good joke when one smacks him in the face. But um, he's sometimes good at making picks. If it's not UFC. Uh, this week it is UFC, so um, just remember that this is Jeff's voice. I'm the one who makes that hits at least 60% of my picks, and the other voice you're going to hear is the guy who struggles to hit half of his picks and loses all his money, and his family's going to be out in the street. His name's Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Let's hear that voice. So, so first so, of all, I, I did. Uh, you always have an agenda. Always I, an I, agenda. Well, because usually you introduce me with seven different things, so I got to respond to at least a couple of them. I do get the number nine reference. However, I'm not a big Beatles guy. Um, 
But I will say the only reason I know the number nine reference is because in an episode of The Simpsons, uh, Barney does a spinoff of that where uh, the girl he's dating at the time says number eight and he belches in between every time she says number eight, um, which I think is the is it the B Sharps episode? Do you have do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Am I just speaking into the void here? Yes, that is correct. I'm very impressed. Um First of all, that it's the Simpsons reference, of course, um, and that yeah, she knew what it was. And yes, that is the the B Sharp's uh, episode. Do you know why the name B Sharp is funny, Dan? Musically, yeah, it's it's because it's a it's a, a note, right? It's Correct. not a note. That's why it's funny. B Sharp does not exist. That's why oh, it's funny. hey, yeah, mm. no, I did. I didn't know that. I'm not musically B, inclined, which B, is probably why I said before that I'm not a huge Beatles guy. <laughs> B's and E's do not have a sharp, just so you know. The rest of them do. So uh, there you go. Now you learn something. Look at that. Now we you learn, learn something. We, we learn something every episode here on the Yibling podcast. <laughs> we do. Um, let me think. Is there any? newsworthy items that we should speak of anybody having a nasty divorce in in the press or <laughs> through twitter that we haven't discussed yet um, um i mean i mean the the, the nate diaz dustin poyer saga kind of beats on it seems like there's a new development every day that's not actually a development uh both yeah. of them continuously say they want that fight uh, but something seems to be hindering it. I can't imagine it's the UFC though, right? Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be money on one of their sides because the UFC I know would make that a co-main event and it would be great for that, that Colby Masvidal pay-per-view. There's gotta be something stopping it though. So the, Nate's gotta be demanding big money or poyer has gotta be demanding it's at 155 pounds. Like th there's gotta be some sort of claim on one fighter's side. Yeah, it's it's always comes down to money. If you ever anything in life, if you a question why anything in life is is occurring or not occurring, then money is usually the answer. So, um, I'm guessing it's uh, it's a money issue. Um, you probably would guess it would be uh, Diaz's end since he's um, they seem to be difficult to negotiate with. Not that it's it's their fault. They probably just want to be paid what they deserve to be paid. But uh, UFC seems to have trouble dealing with with uh the diaz's in general so that would be my guess but yeah it, it slots in perfectly uh that pay-per-view so you'd think they would well actually like like i said before their all their um their money is in already in their coffers for their pay-per-view so it, there's not a huge benefit to them to spend a lot of money on these pay-per-views because uh I, I guess they get paid extra if it sells a lot but um regardless they their money is already accounted for from espn plus so but yeah it, it's it's got to be a money issue yeah, but apart from that, I mean, we're getting the same for uh, Francis Ngannou articles on repeat, and we're just waiting for fights to happen. Yep. Uh, apparently, Leon Edwards is getting the next title shot, uh, well, yeah. title shot, which is a bit of a surprise. Dana White, actually, he must really be desperate. I mean, I've I've heard that once or twice before, <laughs> so I believe it when that, he's though? got... Have we really I heard think that I've though? heard... I think before I've heard that. So I'm, I'll believe it when it's actually, when they're in the cage together, when Kamara Usman is in the cage with Leon Edwards, I'll believe it. All right. Well, the odds are out, Dan. What do you think the odds are? On that fight, it should be yeah. Usman 220, negative 220. Open to 280. And then I got an email earlier today. It was two, six, minus 260. Okay. Plus, yeah. plus 220 for Edwards. So it's 72% probability that Usman wins. So 
probably a little low when, when you when you break it down to percentage a lot of times it's like oh yeah actually i don't see uh edwards beating him what if they fought 10 i don't see him beating him three times no absolutely not yeah, yeah I, so. I i think usman's gonna crush him but um yep. i do think he's one of the better contenders for usman i'll say that yeah because he's got like a weird enough much. weird enough style where he can stuff some takedowns and he's kind of good on the feet. So, um, you know, like he's better at stuff and takedowns than Jorge Masvidal is. And he's, uh, I wouldn't say better on the feet than Colby Covington, but probably more dangerous than Colby Covington, who's just like a volume puncher. Right. Yep. Very true. Um, we were talking about drug test failures uh, a few weeks back and how we don't get them anymore, but we, we had two. <laughs> come down in the past couple of days, so that's something. One of them is Carlos Felipe, which is kind of surprising. Cause yeah, it's very surprising. He, he's, he's a big old boy, and and not not big as in PED uh, looking big. He's just a big boy. What did he get popped for? Do you, uh, did you see? I, I don't know, but this is his second time, too. Um, it's a huge surprise, though, he says, Dan. I'm looking yeah, at the article now. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a huge surprise. Um, if you get popped the first time, the likelihood of you getting popped the second time is pretty high. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't say that I'm going to be, if they do release him, because I sort of think they're going to, um, if they do release him, I don't think I'd be super sad to see him go. As good as his record was, he wasn't super exciting to watch, right? Like, he, he gave yeah. you the type of heavyweight fight you hate to watch. Yeah. It was for a uh, anabolic agent. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah that's, that with him. that's, that's probably bad. And he lost. Who, and, who and he lost Arlovsky. Yeah. He uh, lost he, my he boy. <laughs> boy. Oh boy, boy. The, the one positive about these things is, um, they always find them 15% of their purse. So I can figure out, fighters purses this way since vegas doesn't release purse numbers then but but they tell you how much a person's been fined i can figure out carlos felipe's purse now because i know 15 percent of his purse was 4200 bucks so there you go i won't do the math over uh, over air like we usually like, like to do but that's one positive and then what ziviad is that how you say his name ziviad lash lash lavish billy i remember saying his name before he, he got popped too for nine months for a failed drug test so good way to make your ufc debut I would say so. Yeah, that, that's exactly what you want in yeah. your debut. Yep. What do you, uh, anti-estrogen. That's what he had on. So you use that stuff to, do you use that stuff to hide? I, I can't remember if that's to, I think I still love a lot of your, your, uh, numbers because he obviously was doing anabolic stuff and then he's trying to, uh, I don't know. I, I don't juice, so I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you, you're above your pay grade and, on this one? <laughs> yeah, above my pay grade. And Dan definitely doesn't. He, he wouldn't be nicknamed Gumby if he was a, a juice head, would you? No, I'm, I'm definitely not buff enough to be a, a juicer. Although, then again, Carlos Felipe was, so who's to say? Yeah, I uh, know, exactly. You could never guess. The smell test is not, or the eye test is not, uh, does not work with that guy. Um I don't think there's anything else important that's going on, is there, Dan? No, nah, let's, let's, let's get to the good stuff. Well, we, we have some good stuff. Um, first, I'll tell you about a good sponsor of ours, WinBet. Ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Plus, WinBet has some brand new bonuses we've been telling you about. Bet five bucks, 
win $400 in free bets. Plus, another new thing for you. Be sure to check out all win bets. Build your own bet. Boosted. Same game parlay. Same game parlays headed into the NFL Divisional Round Weekend, which the Cowboys won't begin, sadly. Uh, most boosts fall between 10 to 15% of the original price. Plus, it's fun to say win bets, build your own bet, boosted is a fun thing to say. So make sure you check all that out uh, before this weekend's divisional round um, games. They got great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now over at WinBet for Booster Parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport. They have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Bet big, win bigger at WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. We are also brought to you by the Mighty Prop Swap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The NFL playoffs are in full swing and prop swappers are cashing in, like Will from Arizona, who on Sunday night sold his $50, 100 to 49er Super Bowl ticket for 500 bucks on prop swap. Will lock in his profit when he turned his $50 bet into 500. The buyer got great odds and the seller made 10 times his bet. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you always find the best odds and collect the most money for your bets. Hurry and download the app free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to 500 bucks. That's so nice of them. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, that fun stuff's out of the way. Let's get down to the other fun stuff, which is a, the first UFC pay-per-view of 2022. Do you realize after this, we have a week off again, Dan? That we have I to did. Come up yeah, with? I, I just There's realized Bellator, that as I was planning my episodes for uh, my other podcast. Um, You're not, was, go ahead. It's Top Say Turtle it. MMA Podcast. Yeah, uh, and I realized, oh, crap, I'm going to need... Uh, like a whole bunch of interview fillers here because nobody will be fighting that week. So, yeah. uh, yep, that's something I did. <laughs> there, there's a big Bellator though that uh, that weekend. So maybe we'll um, for our listeners on this year podcast. Maybe we'll we'll try our hand to some Bellator bets. We what could also say? we could also definitely look into uh, interesting fight card with um, uh, Eagle FC, the Habib Nurmagomedov yes, owns promotion. Right. Yeah, they uh, put together their first U.S. based card, and it is, uh, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, I, I think they've got some really big names on it. There's Ray Borg is fighting on it. Uh, John Doomsday Howard's fighting on it. Uh, Tyrone Spong is fighting on it. Sergey Karatanov is fighting on it. Like, it, there, there's a lot of good names on that fight card. Oh, Jorgen DeCastro's on it. Like. It's yep. um, it's basically like uh, five years ago's uh, a fight night card. <laughs> right. Is, is this the one that Rashad Evans is on or not? Oh, yeah. Rashad Evans. <laughs> not that uh, we, we want to see him back. He, he's he's fighting Gabriel Checho, which, by the way, is maybe a semi winnable fight. I think I only saw him as like a plus 200 dog, which uh, tells yeah. you, you know, what the books think of Checho. But um, yeah, like we, we should probably dig into that. All right. That well, there you go, people. There you go, people. Just uh, we like to do all our business on air. Um, everything. There is no curtains here. Um, we're all the same. So you, you get to be in and on the planning, too, which I know is thrilling for all you uh, MMA Gambling Podcast heads out there. All right. Let's get down to this weekend where we actually do have a pay-per-view. Like I said, the first pay-per-view of the year. And it's actually 
they're on the move. The Octagon is on the move. Um, Anaheim, California, the Honda Center is where this one will be going down. California is actually a state that releases fighter purse info, so I will have the official purse info as soon as I get it from the California State Athletic Association over on MMA-Manifesto.com. Um, but we're going to talk about some some gambling here. Um, thoughts on the card overall, the the strength of it, your interest in it, that type of thing. I will say this. I, I think being somebody who was like heavily into the contender series last year, right. um, it, it, it's really interesting for that reason, because there's a whole bunch of people who we saw in the contender series who are going to get to see debut for the very first time. Um, so I think it's interesting for that. I actually think the prelims are a lot better than the main card. The, for, for a pay-per-view card, this one's kind of weak. Um, yeah. The two title fights are great. The other three fights on the main card are eh, kind of so-so. I'm not even really excited for most of those. I mean, I like Rodolfo Vieta, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I think the style matchups and the prelims are really exciting. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, and it shows how shot my brain is that um, these contender series people, I know them all, but I can't remember anything about them, which is great. Really, really <laughs> great for making picks. I'm like, okay, I, I know this person. Now, what happened in their fight? I'm going to have to start taking notes i think um well i guess that's what dan's here for he he uh, jogs my memory on these things but as yeah as to the strength of the main card it's usually you have at least one or two other fights sometimes all 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 um if you have two title fights usually uh a lot of times the other three fights on the main card are all like fight night headliner worthy but you have none on this uh, on this card um unfortunately interesting names but there's it is very top heavy um, and then, and then the rest of the card is kind of, eh. well, it, it's like I said, interesting matchups, not big names is pretty much, uh, what, what we're getting into. So, all right. So this is, since this is a pay-per-view, we got what is, is it six or six thirty start time. Let me go to MMA it's, manifesto it's, and find it's, out. It's, it's six o'clock. It's six o'clock. Okay. It's and it's going to be on the UFC fight pass for the prelims. Or in Canada, usually what an hour in. Well, we miss the first hour always of these things, and then um, and then it is on TSN usually at seven o'clock. So it would be seven o'clock, and then um, if you're listening in Canada, that is. And then the main prelim portion of the night is at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern, and that is on ESPN two and ESPN plus. And then the main card, ten p.m. Eastern, pay per view. Pay per view is still a thing. Actually, it's pretty much North America, I think, is the only place where they sell pay-per-views now. Or at least in Europe, they all get it for free through their um through their sports providers, I think. Good yeah. deal. Yeah, great, great for great for the the people here in, in North America still paying. Time to move. <laughs> Time to move, Dan. Are you full of snow like we are here? I forgot to ask you that. Not we, really. We got, it it really, leveled we got nailed. It, it leveled out. We got hit pretty hard and then it all mostly went away. So well, I was going to say we can move somewhere warm and sunny where pay-per-views are free. But um, anyhow, we'll, we'll stick where we are for now. Let's get into this here fight card. Early prelims start off with a very interesting, um, I, I like the the leadoff fight, women's flyweight, Kay Hansen, Jasmine Jasudavicius. Do you like this matchup also? Yeah, and I liked that you almost got how to say Jasudavicius correct. She is but, Canadian. Uh... I should have got it right. I mean, but I, that can't possibly be a Canadian last name. <laughs> no. no. Well, we, we have lots of Europeans here, so I'm sure that's where it's from. But she's from St. Catharines, which isn't too far from my here place. We should bring back Canadian trivia. I used to, I used to, because there's two Canadians on this card. I like to try to put Dan in the role of the ignorant American who knows nothing about Canada. He's his uh, neighbor to the north, only a few hours away from you. Um, let's do some Canadian trivia. Dan, 
uh, currency question. What is the smallest bill that you can get in Canada, even though no one uses cash anymore? Uh, yeah. What denomination? Um, so the, the lowest denomination... I'm I'm gonna say one. You you guys gotta have a one, right? Or do you no. are you in the dollar coin system like Europe? Yes, Dan. We have a dollar coin. It's called a loony because there's a picture of a loony on it. You know what a loony is? <laughs> it's a bird, right? Yes, there you yeah, go. Yes. I did a loon. Right, so, a loon so actually, but so a loony, I'm, one, I'm one I'm one for two there. I, I know what are a loon you? is, but I, I didn't know whether or not you guys had, had moved to the dollar coin like uh like Europe. <laughs> okay, and we also have a two dollar coin. Guess what we call that one? Double a loony? A toonie, a toonie, Dan. Oh, it's called a toonie. <laughs> a loonies and toonies. Yes. And then it goes to then it goes to five bucks. Five bucks is a is a uh, and it's all colored. Five dollars is a blue colored bill. And, I and feel so like you wouldn't be good good enough to make this up, so I'm gonna trust nope. you on this. It is true. It's true. Loonies, um loonies and toonies. <laughs> but like I said, I, I can't remember the last time I used cash really. It's been it's been well i guess i never go out because we're always locked down but other than that yes no cash but so dan did kind of no he did bad actually he, he just knows what a loon is which is impressive but other than that all right um interesting matchup between these two fighters let's break down the canadian first jasmine jasuda vicious six and one two knockouts one submission never been finishing a fight she's canadian it says here in my records this will be her ufc debut after winning her way in on the um, this past year, or I guess it will be last year, technically now, to 20 and 11's Dana White Contender Series. Uh, she's won two straight fights. She used to fight at strawweight. This one is up at flyweight. She's five inches taller than Kay Hansen and has, has five inches of reach on her, so quite substantial there. Uh, she's the more active striker of the two women, but hers is based off of one UFC fight, and Hansen's already fought twice in the UFC, so small sample size. Um, she's at plus 185. And for people who don't know about the stats, more active striking mean, basically means what it says. She she lands more strikes on average in a fight than her opponent does. Um, her opponent in this case would be Kay Hansen. Seven and four, two knockouts, four submissions. One and one in the UFC. Won her debut, lost her last fight. She's been on the shelf since November of 2020 for various um, various issues. She was an Invicta where she went five and three. So basically all of her experience is in high-level uh, MMA here. So five and three Invicta plus um, she got a win in one of their uh, tournaments too, which only counts as the exhibition fight though. Uh, she also used to fight at strawweight. She was one and four as a pro boxer. So wisely made the move to MMA. She's 10 years younger than just Vicious, despite having all this uh, top level experience striking stats in her favor. But like I said, small sample size um, striking stats meeting. I compare like for, for the newbies listening in, I compare um, their striking accuracy, their striking defense percentages, how many strikes they land per minute and how many strikes they absorb per minute. I compare the two and she wins more like more categories than Jasuda Vicious does. So, so, you know, when I mentioned that going forward, uh, but like I said, it's, we're talking about one fight for Jasuda Vicious and only two for Hanson. So this is a very small sample size. Minus 244 K Hansen after that very wordy, long-winded um, write up there. Dan, I'll let you pick first since you are the associate co-host. I'm gonna go with K Hansen on this one. Um, I'm gonna go chalk to kick off the show. I, I like Jasmine Jazuda this year. I, I think her reach presents kind of an interesting challenge here for K yeah. Hansen because this is K Hansen's first time coming up to to flyway in the UFC. Um, so like, yeah, like coming up in weight, I think 
first of all, maybe not the worst idea for her because she is very physically strong and she was probably draining herself a little bit. She did fade at the end of that Corey McKenna fight. So I think it's not the worst idea to come up and wait. The reach is going to be a problem, but I actually don't think Jasmine Jezudovicius uses her reach to its advantage. And what Jezudovicius really does best is grapple. Like that's how she got her contract on the contender series. Like lots of takedowns, good top pressure. I don't think she'll be able to do that against Hanson, especially with Hanson being so much shorter. I also think Hanson's going to be stronger. So, yeah, I think Hanson's going to land a ton of takedowns here and probably grind out a decision. Yeah, I like Hanson in this one, too. The Well, 10 years younger is, is a very substantial um, age gap, but she's far more experienced than just a vicious uh, under the bright lights. Um, probably going up and wait probably is a, is a good thing for her. Um, she's... She's gone public that she's uh, struggled with eating disorder. So I'm sure not having to diet and cut as much weight probably is is better for her mental mental state. But also, I, I think she'll be, like you said, strong enough grappler that, that she'll be able to handle herself at this at this weight. Um, not I'm never a fan of minus 240 lines, but I will I will take this regardless. So Dan and I are both going with the chalk in this one. All right, so that's our first game. How many contender series debut debutants do we have? Three, five, four? I think. Five. Wow. Yeah, really. Kay, Kay Hansen, Gennaro Valdez, Simon Oliveira, Jack, Jack Della. Oh yeah, yeah, not Kay Hansen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Jasmine Jesudavicius, Gennaro Valdez, Simon Oliveira, Jack Della Maddalena, yeah. and Michael Morales are all uh, contender series guys making their debuts. Correct. And then we also have some other people making debuts also. So this is a very you usually don't see like i mentioned this a few episodes back you don't usually see this on on pay-per-views this is more of a fight night thing where you have new people debuting so other than the short notice people debuting um ufc must be high on, on these people that they're throwing on this card all right moving on Gennaro valdez dan just mentioned him he's fighting next lightweights against matt frivola frivola would be the steam roller frivola and valdez would be Rea dito which i think is a bird I think it's it a very, yeah, it's a, it's a little small bird. Yeah. Yeah. It translates to striped, but I think it's like a striped bird or whatever is what it, it actually is. Um, not really a fearsome nickname, is it? No, I'm no, definitely bird. not when you look it up too. <laughs> no, it's a little striped bird. It's not even a big scary bird. All right. Um, let's tell you about Valdez. Um, his record's scary. Uh, he, his nickname may not be, but his record's scary. 10 and 0, seven knockouts, three submissions. So everything is a finish. Uh, this will be his USC debut after winning his way in on the contender series via TKO. He's got an inch of reach on Frivola. He's twice more active striking, but once again, small sample size we're talking here. And he's also has the grappling stats. Uh, for grappling stats, I use takedowns landed on average, takedown um, accuracy percentage, takedown defense percentage, so stuffing takedowns, and then submission attempts. So um, he wins in those categories against Frivola, but we're talking small sample. Uh, he's at plus 155. The Steam Rolla, Frivola, 8, 3, and 1. One knockout, three submissions. He's been knocked down himself twice. He is 2, 3, and 1 in the UFC. He's lost two straight. Last fight via knockout. He also was on the contender series where he went 1 and 0. He's also missed weight in the past. Something of note here. Uh, he's one and was 1 and 0 in World Series of Fighting as well before that turned into PFL. Minus 195. I'm going to take my first dog of the day. I think uh, I like Valdez in this matchup against uh, Favola. Favola's average at best. Um, Valdez has proven to be more than that. Um, his resume is 
pretty decent when you look at some of the opponents he's he's fought and he obviously looked good in the contender series got himself a contract and he's a finisher so i will take valdez at plus 155 all day i'm also gonna take valdez in this fight i i will say this i i don't think he looked good on the contender series for the record he looked good enough to get a con see i don't remember things remember he fought he fought maybe the worst guy that was on the contender series this whole season in Patrick white. Um, like a guy who did not belong on the contender series. I questioned why they were giving him one, a fight on the contender series. Um, because he was, I mean like a sloppy striker. He came from Alaskan FC, which is generally like not a great regional promotion. Um, in Gennaro, like, went in there and like traded with him in like, kind of got tagged a bunch of times and just looked awful. Um, and I remember thinking he's not going to get a contract, but he really deserves one because the problem is, is he went in there and fought like a wild and crazy fight. Cause he thought that that's what Dana wanted to see. And maybe he got it right. But if you look at every single one of his other fights, he is a relentless grappler. He has great takedowns and you can see his fights. You know, you mentioned high level of competition. He fought in Lux, which is a really good promotion. He fought some really good competition in Lux hit a bunch of takedowns mean top control and like not for anything for Vola is a guy who, when you face him with that kind of approach tires really quickly, whether he's offensively or defensively grappling, we saw it in his fight with Luis Pena where he won that fight by split decision, but he really tired after grappling for a while so much so that that Luis Pena hit a takedown. So um, and then we said Armin Sakurian really take it to him. I think General Valdez has got the right kind of approach to be the guy to take out a guy like Matt Frivola, who, you know, tires easy. And when he is tired, has suspect takedown defense. Are you saying he's going to steamroller the steamroller? I, I mean, steamroller the steamroller is what I meant to say. I, I don't think he's going to steamroll him. Um, you know, like, I, I think this is going to be a grinded, maybe not even a super fun fight to watch. Um, but I think it will put Valdez on the map of being like, oh, he wasn't that terrible guy we saw in Contender Series. Did you used to do steamrollers to your brothers or your friends or maybe even now to your children where you roll over top of the person and say steamroller? I'd, I'd never even heard of that you until you oh, just God, said that. You young people. <laughs> you young people. I'll blame the millennial thing. Um, going back to the Contender Series, you actually mentioned something I was, I was going to bring up. Do you think do a lot of guys and gals change the fight style? 100%. Uh, on contender series because Dana doesn't have very good taste in, in fights. Yeah, I, <laughs> he I just think wants mayhem. I think Gennaro Valdez is a perfect example of that. Um, right. I, you see it a little bit with the next one of the next ones we're going to talk about with Simon Oliveira, but like I, I think for the most part, fighters fight the way that they would fight anyway um, and do the right thing. But I, I definitely think you can point to specific examples and be like, man, that guy did not do what he usually does. And, and right. Valdez is a perfect example of that. Hopefully. Hopefully he uh, comes out looking looking sharper in his UFC debut. All right, moving on. This is the fight. We actually we went through the whole breaking down process of this fight, I think, right? Women's strawweight. Savannah Gomez-Juarez versus Vanessa Demopoulos. I believe we broke that down a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, we can, we can do the quick version if you want. We can, for sure. Did you know that Juarez is La Malvada, which means the wicked? I did. You know, I think we I think we talked about that last time. <laughs> Do you know what Demopolopolis? Demopolopolis's nickname is? Uh Little Monster. 
Lil Monster. Come on, like rappers. <laughs> Little doesn't exist anymore. It's Lil. Do you know what her, her uh, previous occupation was, Dan? Yeah, she was a stripper. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make you blush. Yes, she was, Dan. And if I remember correctly, when she was on Top Turtle, she had a mouth of, of a stripper too. I oh, she she is she. I think she She's broke the. I think she broke the top turtle record for f bombs. Um, yes. which good is interview, but pretty impressive. Yeah, she's a great interview. Like if you if yep. you haven't gone back, go back and listen to to that episode of Top Turtle. Like she is worth listening to because she is she's quite funny. Yep. All right, we'll break her down uh, for the hardcores uh, for the non hardcores that didn't listen last time. Uh, Juarez ten and three, six knockouts, two submissions. She's oh one the UFC. She lost via submission. Oh one KSW. She used to fight at 135. Used to fight at 125. This one is down at one. This is uh, this is Strawway, right? This is down at Strawway. Yes, correct. This yeah. is Strawway. Yeah. So so she's down two weight classes. Uh, she's an inch taller than Demopolopolopolis, and she's got six inches six inches of reach on her, which is something to think of. Plus 125. Um, Lil Monster six and four, one knockout, three submissions. Never been finished in a fight. Oh one the UFC. She only won one of her last four fights. Oh one the Contender Series. She was the LFA champ, so there's something positive. Uh, she used to fight up at flyweight, four years younger than Juarez. Um, striking stats in her favor, plus she's four times more active striking and grappling stats in her favor, but we're talking small samples again. Minus 139, and I believe we both picked Demopolopolopolis last time. Yeah, Silvana Gomez-Juarez just looked real bad uh, grappling against Lupita Godinez. And granted, I think Godinez is better than Demopolis. In fact, they even yeah. fought, and in, in she proved that. But it was a lot closer Definitely. in the grappling than uh, I think people realize. And Demopolis, you know, she looked bad in her debut, but some of that was that she went up in weight class to fight somebody tough in J.J. Aldrich. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of faith in her in this fight. I think there's a good chance she takes her down in subs. That was short notice, too, I think, was it not? Uh, both of them were. Yeah, both Demopolis okay. and Silvana Gomez-Juarez both fought on short notice. It, it's worth right. noting that uh, Juarez was right. supposed oh, to be on okay. Contender Series, right. though. So, like, she wasn't, like, pure short notice. She was, like, in a training camp. She was cutting weight. That's why she could make the actual contracted weight, and Demopolis had to fight up a weight class. There you go. All right, main event of the prelims. Uh, Bantamweights. Tony Gravely. Simon Oliveira, which is another one of our Dana White Contender Series uh, recent graduates. Um, we'll break down him first. Oliveira, not the champ. 18-3, five knockouts, 11 submissions. Never been finished in a fight. This will be his big show debut. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series. He's won five straight fights. He has fought at... 145, 155, 165, which is some kind of weird weight that he fought at in Brazil, I think. So he's fought at much heavier weights than the 135 he'll be fighting at this weekend. He's got three inches of reach on Gravely plus 195. Tony Gravely, 21-7, uh, nine knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted five times. So we have a path to victory here for Oliveira, for sure. Um, he's 2-2 two two in the UFC, won his last fight via TKO. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series. He was the CES champ, the KOTC champ, the Fight Lab champ, the PACF champ. So this man has a lot of belts in his collection. He also used to fight up a weight class at uh, Flyweight. He's an inch taller than Oliveira, more active striker, and better grappling stats, but we're just based off of one fight for uh, Oliveira. Minus 250. Over to you, Mr. Vreeland. No, I, I think it's your turn to pick first, my friend. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I thought I picked him up a Lopolopolis first. All right. I'm taking, uh, I'm going chalk, uh, even though I'm worried about the submission skills of Oliveira. I uh, I like Gravely. 
Um, I yeah, I'm taking Gravely in this one. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. I'm going to take Gravely as well. Um, part of the reason I'm going to take Gravely though is you know you mentioned the the submission offense being an issue or the submission defense rather being an issue for Tony Gravely. But if you look at the type of people who have submitted him. Like, I think it's a lot higher level of a grappler than Simon Oliveira is. Like, he got submitted um, by Brett Johns, uh, Patchy Mix, who's a, a beast, Manny Bermudez, Marab Devalishvili. Actually, Devalishvili didn't even finish him. He, he just took a decision. So, like, all, all the guys are UFC level or, like, I mean, Patchy Mix is, like, one of the best fighters in Bellator. So, he's only been submitted by really high-level guys. In addition to that... Like, he is coming off of a loss to Nate Manis, but, like, he had Manis virtually unconscious in that first round. I, I think he's kind of, like, the type of person who, if he does tire, he's susceptible to that. But, like, Simon Oliveira's got to make it so that he gets tired, and and I don't know that he's got the game to do that. I think Gravely kind of controls where this fight goes, and I think he's a lot better on the feet, too. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Tony Gravely here as well. We are on the same page again, uh, all four fights on the early prelims were on the same page but i think coming uh, going forward we're going to have a, at least one or two uh, fights that we're going to differ on a bit here before we move into the prelims let me tell you about better fantasy the fantasy season may be over but the action is still coming on the better fantasy app download their free to play app today to bet on player props for the nfl playoffs you can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win we love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way, too. It's totally free to play. You'll earn better credits by completing challenges and use them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide in all of 50 states. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. All right, prelims. This may be one of the ones where we differ on. I'm not positive, though. Welterweights. Trevin Giles versus Michael Morales, which is another one of our Dan Wick Center Series gentlemen. Um, Morales, no nickname. Giles, nicknamed The Problem. Um, his record is not a problem, though. He's 14-3, and three, six knockouts, five submissions. All of his losses have come via finish. He's been knocked out once, subbed twice. Five and three in the UFC. He got knocked out in his last fight. He used to fight at uh, welterweight. Oh, Middleweight, let make that. You used to fight at middleweight and light heavyweight. Uh, this one's this is his first dip down at welterweight. Uh, striking stats in his favor, but we're not much of a sample size for Morales. Uh, plus 112 coming back on him. Uh, Morales 12 and 0, nine knockouts, one submission. This will be his debut. 1 and 0 on the contender series. He was the EMMA champion. He's got five inches of reach on Giles, seven years younger, more active striker, but once again, sample size minus 140. Now it's your turn. So I'm going to take Michael Morales um, for like a bunch of reasons. Um, first of all, he's probably on my list of three guys who I thought looked the most impressive on Dana White's contender series. Um, he fought Nikolai Veritanikov. And if I remember correctly, that was the one pick I got wrong that week is I picked Veritanikov to beat him because Veritanikov's got good takedowns and is a good boxer. And Morales just tripped him any way he wanted to, like judo-style takedowns. He he double-legged him one time. His takedown offense looks so good against a guy who I had already thought of as kind of highly in, in terms of how good he grapples. So in all of that, like, I obviously really came out liking Morales. And then there's just so many problems with the problem here. Is, uh, is Trevin Giles coming down in weight I worry about a little bit? He wasn't the smallest middleweight, so for him to be cutting all of that weight, I'm worried about what it's going to do to his cardio, especially against a 22-year-old kid. 
giving up some reach in this game, this fight. And I'm not sure that he's going to stuff all of the takedowns he needs to. Um, he's given up some takedowns in the past that uh, make me question whether or not he'll be able to stuff somebody younger and more athletic like uh, like Michael Morales consistently. So I- I'm going with the uh, the young gun here. And I'm going to roll the dice and go with the veteran, Trevin Giles. I like his size. Um, I think he's going to be the better striker. And he has beaten grapple-heavy guys uh, in the past before. So I, 75% takedown defense. Um, he may get taken down, but um, I think he, he can do enough to win this fight. So let's roll the dice, get some plus money. I'll go with Trevin Giles. And there we go. We finally have disagreed with one another. Um, Walter Waits, another Dana White contender series. Jack Della Madalena versus Pete Rodriguez. Or is it Rodriguez? Is he hmm, Is he from Brazil, Dan? He is not. He's American. <laughs> Dang it. Anyhow, his nickname's Dead Game. He this will be his short notice debut in the UFC, which is never a a good a good sign for a guy to make a short notice debut. Uh, he's 4 and 0 as a pro with all of four of his fights coming via knockout. Plus two sixty. I have no other info on him. Do you, anything else you want to fill in the blanks with on him? Do you know much I mean, about him? I mean, all of his wins are in less than half a round, uh, and all for Icon Fighting Championship, which is yeah. it does run on Fight Pass, so it it is pretty easy to to check back and and look at some of his fights. Is he? Does he look good? Have you seen his fights? He. he I will say this. He looks really powerful. He looks like yeah. he hits like a truck. He also looks like his hands never retract to his face and chin to protect himself on counters. Oh, perfect. Um, which is a real big problem when you're fighting Jack Della Maddalena. Yes. Let me tell you about Della Maddalena. 10 and 2, 8 knockouts, 1 submission. He's an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Uh, this will be his UFC debut. He was 1 and 0 in the contender series. He's won 10 straight fights. He also was EMMA champ. He's got 2 inches height on Rod- Rodriguez. I'll call him anyhow. Minus, three, <laughs> minus 350. Um, I'm going Della Madalena, obviously, in this one. Yeah, he's, you know, I just mentioned there were three guys on the contender series that I thought looked much better than everybody else. It was Michael Morales, Jack Della Madalena, and uh, Jelton Jr., Jelton Almeida, depending on what you call it. Those are like my three big takeaways. Um, and he'll be debuting, I think, the first or second week of February. So, um, we'll get to see them all in pretty short order. But Jack Della Madalena. Went to absolute war with Angelusa, who I think is actually a more technical and better striker than Pete Rodriguez. Um, and he, he clearly won the fight. He looked like he hit harder. He looked like he hit smarter. His footwork was better. I, I think Pete Rodriguez is going to come in there trying to throw like big one punch bombs and just going to get countered in the worst way possible. Um, I like Jack Della Medellina a lot in this fight. As do I, uh, as you'll probably hear later on when we make some more more picks. All right. Um, featherweights. Ilya Tapuria versus Charles Jordan. Um, Tapuria, El Matador, Jordan is Air Jordan. And he is Canadian. Do I have other Canadian trivia? Nah, I've given you enough Canadian trivia. Let's just let's just hit this one. He is taking this one on short notice as well. Uh, back-to-back short notice uh, fights here um, on this card. He's 12-4-1, eight knockouts, three submissions, 3-4-1 in the UFC. He's on win-loss win over his last three fights. Used to fight at lightweight. This one's up at this is welterweight, right? Or is it down? This is down at featherweight. I get the weight class mixed up sometimes. So yes, this is down at featherweight. He was a TKO champ up here in Canada. Two inches of height over Tapuria. He's twice more active striker, plus 410. El Matador, Tapuria, 11-0. Three knockouts, seven submissions. 
three and zero in the UFC. He's won two straight fights via knockout. Used to fight at a bantamweight. He has was missing weight there, so now he's up at featherweight. He was the MFE champ, whatever that is. Um, he's two years younger than Jordan. Grappling stats in his favor, minus six hundred. I guess I'll be taking minus six hundred. Um, don't like the number, but I like the fighter. Yeah, he's he's gonna hurt Jordan. Um, I I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he's a better striker than Jordan. Jordan's getting a short training camp here, and also I think people forget how good Ilya Tapuria is on the ground too. Um, he's coming off those back-to-back knockouts, the one of Ryan Hall where he wouldn't engage on the ground, and the one uh, against Damon Jackson where he never needed to go to the ground. But before that, he showed some really high-level grappling skills against uh, Yusuf Zalal, which, uh, I mean, like, Charles Jordan, not known for his grappling. I, I think Torpuria probably plays with him a little bit on the feet first, but if it goes badly for him, he's got that as a backup plan. He should win this pretty easily. There's her pick. We're back on track again um, with our picks matching up. Let's go to the main event of the prelims. Honey, Honey, because he's uh, Brazilian. <laughs> Not Raoni. We'll call him Honey. Uh, Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Um, Henry is the Mangosta, which means the mongoose. Have, have we broken down him before? Did he pull out of a fight last minute? I mean, these, these two were scheduled to fight a month right. ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, and then, and then also, and then also, two months ago, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. So he's making his long-awaited UFC debut, uh, Mr. Henry. Um, he's twenty-one and five, six knockouts, eight submissions. Never been finished in a fight. He's on win-loss win over his last three fights. Last fight being a submission win for him. He was the LOXF champ, the Deep champ, and the CS champ. He made his debut way back in twenty ten. He's got an inch of reach on Barcelos. Plus 340 coming back on him. Barcelos, 16 and 2, eight knockouts, two submissions, five and one in the UFC. One is for first five and then lost his last one. He used to fight up at Featherweight. He was the RFA champ, the Shudo champ. He's also a BJJ champ and a wrestling champ. Plus, uh, sorry, minus 475. Over to you. Yeah, I'm going to take Barcelos in this. Um, I like Victor Henry. I'm glad the UFC signed him. He's kind of a guy who's been waiting on. Uh, the opportunity and, and really deserves any change trains with Josh Barnett. He's like a catch wrestler type. The problem is, is I think he's just a little too wild for Barcelos. It, it's kind of the, the Pete Rodriguez, Madalena thing only at like a much higher level. Um, Victor Henry is a lot better than, than Pete Rodriguez, but I think he's going to go in with that wild game plan. And it, it's just, he's not going to be able to draw Barcelos into that fight and is going to wind up getting countered too much. And some of those counters might be takedowns. Uh, Barcelos catches a lot of kicks turns those into takedowns. I think that's probably what he'll do here against Victor Henry. And he'll probably win him the fight just that way. So remember, this is a guy who took down Sedner Megamedov a bunch of times, um, who we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show and uh, won that fight. So I, I think he should be able to do the same to Victor Henry. There you go. Um, that wraps up the prelims. We'll move on to the main carpet first. Let me tell you about the good people over at SoBet. Since when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around in a speakeasy. SoBet has taken the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account to see for yourself. Through their fully functioning and free web application, you can access the demo of their app, which will launch next fall. The app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via text, QR codes, and links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app and it is purely competitive. Next time you're with your friends watching sports, turn the dial up a notch. Go to sobet.io 
and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric they want as long as somebody is on the other side to accept. Let's get back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's S-O-B-E-T dot I-O slash S-G-P-N today to join the revolution. And speaking of S-G-P-N, make sure you download our app. We are live in the App Store and Google Play. It's easy access to all our picks, all our podcasts, all the contests. The bosses are always giving money away to you, the gens listening. So make sure you grab the app so you can get in on all, all the fun. Toss us an app review, assuming it's a good review, that is. And make sure you download the app today. All right. Main card, main card. Doesn't really seem like a main card until we hit the top two fights. But anyhow, we start with middleweights. Hodolfo, another R, uh, H, R that turns into H. Hodolfo Vieira, Vieira versus Wellington Turman is our first card of the main card, middleweights. Um, Vieira is the black belt hunter. Turman is the prodigy. He's 25, I think, so he can still be the prodigy. I, what? When does that end, do you think? What age? I mean, I mean, BJ Penn is like what forty something and running for governor yeah. of Hawaii with with uh, some is pretty, he for real? Yeah, it's not pretty. Um, try if you can try not to look at any of the posts. <laughs> okay, I won't. It's it's, won't. it's maybe not as bad as Tito, but it's close. <laughs> it's, it seems to be the thing in in MMA. Uh, but then you have um. All right, Terman, you're allowed to be the prodigy still. Um, he is 17 and five, four knockouts, seven submissions. He's been knocked out himself twice. Never been subbed in a fight. I'm mentioning that because he's going up against a guy who subs everyone. He's two and three in the UFC. Won his last fight. He used to fight at welterweight. This one is up uh, weight class at middleweight. Seven years younger than Vieira, more active striker, plus 185. Vieira, the black belt hunter, eight and one, one knockout, seven submissions, three and one in the UFC. Won his last fight via submission, of course. Uh, he used to fight at light heavyweight. He's got multiple BJJ championships of, of the highest level of BJJ championships. Got into reach on tournament. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 240. Despite how bad he looked in the one in the loss column, I will be going with the Vieira here. I think he matched up well with tournament. I'll take the two, minus 240. Yeah, and I think it's nice that we got to see him one more time after that loss because that loss to... Right. To, to Anthony Hernandez, you're right, was alarming because basically he grappled with Anthony Hernandez and gassed himself out because he was punching and, and looking for chokes. And Hernandez has got a great gas tank. And what wound up happening was they got back to their feet. Hernandez, by some miracle, got up and, and good on him. It, and Vieta just looked cooked. Um, And then in the, the fight with Dustin Stoltzfus, who granted is a step down from Anthony Hernandez, you could see he worked on his hands. He worked on his cardio. He worked on staying composed so that he didn't tire out. And he picked up a third round submission. So a lot of those worries I had after the Anthony Hernandez fight are gone. And with that being said, I actually think he's he's going to be the first one to submit Wellington Terman. Because while Terman is good, he is going to engage in that type of fight. I, I think he believes that he's as good of a grappler as Rodolfo Vieta. Um, in, in all black belts are not created equal. It's really important that people know that out there just because they're right. both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts does not mean they're both the same level black belt because R Rodolfo Vieta is a guy who has won Abu Dhabi's, which is, you know, uh, you know, there's only a small handful of people who have ever done that. Um, and he's one of them. So yeah, he's a legend of, of the sport when it comes to jujitsu. I think here he takes him down, deals with him, And you know, what? I think he stays safe enough on the feet too, that he could win there as well. 
Yes, he won ADCC submission world championships. He won five U.S. world champion or five world championships that were in the world U.S. He won a whole bunch of World Cups. Yeah, it, it's there's levels, as Dan said. So uh, Vieira is both of our picks here. So what is only one so far that we're different on? Hmm, interesting. I think we're going to differ here again, Dan. Here we go. Uh, Banner weights. I know this because I read Dan's stuff that he writes on my website. Manifesto.com. <laughs> Uh, weights, Cody Stamen versus Syed Nurma. Nurma, how do you say that last name, Dan? Nurma Gomidov. How do you say it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> is he? I know they're all Habib's cousin. Is he? Is he the one who's his actual cousin, though? He's I, not. Actually, I don't he's know not blood related. He's not blood related right. to him in any way. Okay. All right. There you go. And he doesn't fight like he's blood blood related to him as well. Um, all right. Let's break it down. Uh, we'll go Mr. Wonderful first. Uh, do you know Cody Stamen's Mr. Wonderful? He's also Spartan. He's 19-4-1, six knockouts, two submissions. He's 5-3-1 in the UFC. He's lost his last two fights. Uh, over his last four, he's gone one, two, and one, the one being a draw there. Uh, he used to fight up at Featherweight. That's where a lot of his most recent fights were at. Was that MFL champ, whatever that is, TXC champ. Don't know that one either. Um, he was 0-1 as a pro boxer. Grappling stats in his favor, which shows you that we're not talking about a blood relative here. Um, plus 160. Nurmagomedov. Syed. 14-2. Four knockouts, three submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 3-1 in the UFC. Won his last fight via knockout. That was back in October of 2020. He was the AFC champion. He used to fight at flyweight. So these guys are coming from different, different ends of the weight spectrum. Uh, despite that, he is two inches taller than Stamen, six inch, inches of reach on him, three years younger, striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 200. He's going to be my pick. Uh, the size, the youth, uh, better striker, and I think his um, he's beaten grapple-heavy people before, and I think he'll be strong enough to keep Stamen off, so I will take minus 200 on the Nurmagomedov guy. I mean, so here's what I'll say. I, I You're right. I am going with, with Cody Stamen. You, you read my sheet, but like what grapple heavy guy has he beat in the past? Justin Scoggins? Right? Like that. Uh, that's... Hey, yeah. Well, he, he's technically, is he not grapple heavy, Dan? He, he is grapple heavy, but you remember too, that, that Syed Nurmagomedov won a split decision over Justin. Oh, that's Scoggins. how you say his name. Okay. Yeah. Ju- <laughs> Justin no, Scoggins. And if you look at, Hamos. That's he's not grapple heavy. Yeah, he is. He's won two fights by spinning back elbow. <laughs> like, like, but he he uh, he lands like three takedowns a fight though. So he, okay, so he's got uh, some grab. But so yeah. the grappling heavy guys he's fought, in my opinion, are Rayoni Barcelos and Magomed Bibulatov, both of which were his last two losses. Um, both which took him down seemingly at will. Both of those guys grinded him out when they needed to. So. You know, like, don't get me wrong. He is much better on the feet. I, I clearly give Nurmagomedov the, the the advantage on the feet. I think if Cody Stamen can't get him down, which there's a possibility he can't get him down, I think Sadner wins this fight pretty easily. But I will say this, at plus 160, I really think it's worth playing Cody Stamen and saying he can be the spoiler here because here's the thing. Cody Stamen has grinded out better people than Sadner Megamedov. Um, you know, granted, that... that fight with Song Yudong goes down as a draw, but like look up MMA decisions by all accounts. He had won that fight. He, he grinded out Brian Caraway, Who's an incredible wrestler. 
Um, he he grinded out Tom Dukin Juan send him into sit or send him into retirement. Like this is a dude who has some like really high quality grappling and is only mostly lost to people like Aljamain Sterling or or Mirab Devalishvili who can out wrestle him. And I don't think Sadner Megamedov is that. So yeah, I'm I'm going with the dog money here on Cody Stamen. Yeah, I, I don't like the way his uh, his his career is looking at this point. And anyhow, um, we'll see what happens on Saturday, Dan. I, I like how you say Nirmaga Madoff. Like you've said that name before. It's good. <laughs> you, you, you know Syed, do you? You're familiar with him a lot? I'm familiar with his his work, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to welterweights. Michelle Pereira, we are familiar with him too, versus Andre Fialo. Do we know him, Dan? I don't think I know him that well. Oh, I, I know him for Bellator, I guess. He's yeah, from Bellator he, and PFL. He, he's a newcomer to the UFC, but I do know quite yeah. a bit about him. Another short notice debut. Um, Fialo, 14 and 3, 11 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out himself twice. Like I said, short notice debut. He's won four straight fights, so all via finish. So that's how you get yourself in the UFC. He was 1 0 with one no contest in PFL. He went 4 1 in Bellator. He's got an inch reach on Pereira, plus 230. Pereira's, whose nickname is Demolador, which means demolisher, which is how he used to fight. We'll have to see if he still fights like that. Uh, he didn't last fight. 26 and 11, two no contests, 10 knockouts, seven submissions, four and two in the UFC. He's won three straight fights. He has missed weight in the past. He he used to fight up at middleweight as well. This one is down at welterweight. He was the SBC champ. Got an inch of height on Fialo, minus 300. And it's your turn. Yeah, I'm taking Pereira. Um, th- this is kind of maybe the theme of this whole card is that once in a while, there's a guy who's got power. Um, and it seems like that person, you know, like the, if you went down, you know, I, I said Pete Rodriguez has got power, but Jack Madalena is going to counter it and stay away from it. Um, and, and you know, like who is the other? Oh, Victor Henry's got it, and Barcelos is going to avoid it. I'm going to say the same thing here about Pereira. Like Fialo's got the power. I think Pereira is the craftier striker. I also think people are underestimating how good of a grappler Michelle Pereira is because he doesn't that often right. and we want him to do a moonsault off the cage. But instead, like, he took down and dominated Chaos Williams. I think he could do that here against Fialo. Yes, he is a giant question mark. And, and granted, if when I do my recommended plays at the end, I'm not going to pick him for that reason because he's liable to, like, do a backflip and hurt himself in the process. But... I think he has gotten to be a much smarter fighter, and I like Pereira for that reason. Is it legal to do a moonsault off the cage? Probably not, right? He got in trouble for doing. I can't remember. It was I mean, outside in, of in the UFC. Fight. It was outside of the UFC where he got in trouble for doing some sort of weird flip off the cage or something like that. But yeah, he's During been doing. Yeah, he he. I'm not kidding when I say a moonsault. He backed up and did like a backflip over some guy in the middle of a fight. In I want to say it was over in Japan somewhere, but now I can't remember exactly. Like, he d- has done some crazy shit. Look it up on YouTube. He, he the stuff he does in the, the UFC is mild. <laughs> Could he at least do a Vader bomb off the cage for me? I, I would prefer a Vader bomb, but he, he didn't give me that. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, now, like like I like we warned you, this doesn't really sound like a UFC pay-per-view main card, but uh, we got a couple of fights we can break down here. Um, one... Uh, the third time we're going to see this fight, the other one, a grudge match. Um, so we'll start with the flyweights, the champ. Yeah. This man is the champ now, Brandon Moreno versus uh, former champ to be seen Figueredo. Um, Figueredo's one nickname is Daiko. Do you know what that means? D A I C O. I couldn't find a, a meeting for that one. 
I don't know that one. No, I know Deus do Guerra, right? Is Deus de Guerra, which God of War and Figgy Smalls War, is yeah. also his nickname. <laughs> he, he's got a lot of nicknames. He's 22 and one, so he's got a lot of wins too. 22 and one as a pro, nine knockouts, eight submissions. 9-2-1 in the UFC. He lost via submission his last fight against the man he's facing this week. Um, and that lost him his belt. He's uh, had trouble with weight cutting and getting down to flyweight in the past. Um, so that's something to keep in uh, notice of. You may want to wait till weigh ends Friday morning uh, if, if you want to bet this fight. Uh, he's at plus 142. Uh, Moreno's nickname's The Assassin, comma, baby. And it's 19. He's 19-5-2, three knockouts, 11 submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 7-2-2 two two in the UFC, won his last fight via submission, which was the aforementioned title fight where he got himself the belt. Um, he just got a Lego belt given to him. Did you see that too, Dan? I, I did see that, yeah. He totally <laughs> should release that. I, I would love to get that set and build that big honking UFC belt. That would be very nice. Um, he was all one on the Ultimate Fighter. He lost to Alexandra Pantoje. That's a pretty rough first-round fight in the Ultimate Fighter house, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, that season was, um, was they ranked the fighters one through 16 yep. and did like a bracket style tournament. And Pantoja was the one seed and Moreno yep. was the 16. Yep. Very true. Very true. Um, little did they know that he's a future champ. Um, he was the LFA champ, WFF champ, got two inches high in Figueredo, two inches reach, six years younger. Striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 180. Is it my turn now? I forgot already. Um, it's up to you. I, I, I can go oh, now. Oh, oh, no, I want to go. Moreno. <laughs> I'm going Moreno's with Moreno. I'm going with Moreno as well. I, I like Moreno in this one because I, I think, I'll just be honest. I think what we saw in the second fight between these two is where they're both at in their career. Um, whereas like Moreno figured out how to be really strong in the beginning of fights after having a full camp, because the first time they fought, it was on like four weeks notice and they had just fought somebody else. Um, Moreno had just fought Brandon Roy Vall. So I, I think that that first fight was not a good indicator of where they were at. And Moreno came out flat in the second fight. He came out as strong as he typically does and beat the hell out of Figueredo. And the other thing is Figueredo gets worse as the fight goes on. So Right. If Moreno comes out decent and just enough to like stall Figueredo and wear him out a little bit, I think he wins this fight pretty easily more and more as the, the rounds go on. And very Rosenaman Yunus obviously is a very recent example. Very rarely do you see people win their belts back from the person they just lost, especially in immediate rematches. So um, yeah, I, I like Moreno in this fight as well. Um, everything basically is in his favor here. And he seems like dances seems to have figured Figure this year game out, or at least figured out Davies and Figueredo for um, for that matter. Is he the only UFC champ who's been cut before? And uh, this just came into my head. I wonder if there's anybody else who was cut from the UFC before and went on to become champion. Like, no one comes to mind. Yeah, no, nobody on the top of my yeah. head. But that is, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, especially because the reason was just wild. You know, they were just pretending that yeah. division didn't exist. Yep, and now it's. Well, I guess it's as good as it, it's, it's ever been. So, because it, it always was good, regardless. Um, all right, main event. I wanted to pick first last time because I want to hear your pick first in this one. Even though <laughs> I know who I'm picking, though. Um, heavyweights, Francis Nganu versus former teammate, um, Cyril Gane. Gone. Gane. It could be any of those if you want. He's French. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's not Gane. I'm sure it's probably uh, pronounced uh, better than that. So, 
Um, lo and behold, our champion is the underdog in this fight. Francis Ngannou, the predator, is the underdog. So we'll... Uh, um, so he's a predator. Um, Gain is a bong gamin, which means good kid, right? I think. Bong gamin. Yeah, it means like good boy, but it's like not as is like patronizing as that sounds in in the translation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, actually, we'll break him down first and see. Is technically the uh, even though he has a belt, also an interim belt, he's technically the challenger here. He's ten and zero as a pro, four knockouts, three submissions, seven zero in the UFC. He was the TKO champ uh, before all of this. He also was a professional Muay Thai fighter. He went 13-0, so he basically doesn't lose uh, life. He's four years younger than Nganu. Striking stats in his favor, plus he's twice more active striking than Nganu. Minus 150 coming back on him. So uh, you'd like, if you're picking a challenger, you would like to get plus money but uh, in championship, championship fight, but you, you're not here, unfortunately. Uh, Nganu, the Predator, 16-3, 12 knockouts, 4 submissions, so everything's a finish for him. He's never been finished himself in a fight. He's 11-2 in the UFC. He's won 5 straight, all via finish, obviously. Based on the last weigh-ins, he will he was 16 pounds heavier than Gain. Uh, he's got 2 inches reach, plus 120. Over to you. Yeah, I'm taking Francis Ngannou in this fight. Um, first of all, I, I think it's... I think once you see this line, if you're betting on this fight, you have to go underdog or, or pass on it. That That's just kind of how I feel about it. You you can be confident in Surreal Gain or you can think Surreal Gain's going to win, but like at the same time, paying the, that kind of favorite money on him just seems wrong, especially because you know like his path to victory is avoid the big blows from Francis Ngannou, which only one person has done to date um, in the UFC is just one person with some phenomenal wrestling. And after that, Francis countered that with, I mean, like in that last fight, we saw the development of him as a defensive grappler, just absolutely stuffing Stephen Miocic and taking his back for a second, which was crazy. So I think we're seeing the technical developments of Francis Ngannou. He's not just a big power puncher. Um, and so like seeing all of those technical developments just leads me to believe we've got a guy who's probably a little bit more technical and surreal, but like at the same time, Francis is going to be technical enough to get his hands on him a couple of times. And really it only takes getting his hands on him once. So I'm going with Francis Ngannou. Only one person avoided Ngannou, Dan? Okay, Are you sure you, about that? So nobody avoided anything in the <laughs> Derek Lewis fight. I could have avoided everything that Francis Ngannou threw in that Derek Lewis fight because it turns out neither of them threw any punches. It was for for having maybe the two greatest power punchers in the history of the UFC. And I don't say those words lightly. They might be two of the best power punchers in the history of the UFC. It was the worst fight ever. And that is just such a wild concept. <laughs> very, very true. I am going against you here. Um, I, I I understand what you say about, about the line, but I, I pick winners regardless. Uh, I would rather win minus 150 than lose a plus 120 bet. I think Gain is going to win this fight. Um, I think he... He's got the strategy and the experience of avoiding people. And in Ghana, you never know. Uh, after that Lewis fight, you never know. I always have questions about his headspace and, and how he's how he's going to approach a fight. So um, I, I like Gaines. Um, I like Gaines' ability to avoid being hit. He's far more active striking. I think he can 
get himself a decision victory, but it is a very dangerous game trying to avoid uh, Francis Ghana for 25 minutes. So that, that I, I will put out there. So there, we differed on a few there. That, that was nice, Dan. It's nice yeah, when we, we differ on things. We, we wound up with three different. I had two dogs in those and you had one. So yeah, that, 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 I'd say we're right around the same lines on, on just about everything here. It's good. It keeps, it allows me to, to keep my uh, lead over Dan. As long as uh, I get a couple of wins on him a week, we're, we're good. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's do our, what do we call these again? Preferred picks? Recommended. Yeah. Picks. Preferred recommended. picks, recommended plays, whatever you want to do. Um, so we're going to, we're, we're keeping the hundred dollar format yep. here. Hundred dollar um, format. I'm going to start with, um, yeah, I, I'm going to stick with my game plan here. I, I'm going to start with uh, 40 bucks on Michael Morales. Um, okay. I, I'm really big on Michael Morales. I think uh, the especially with the line as low as it is on him, I think he handles uh, Trevin Giles. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Michael Morales for 40 bucks. Boy, and that's one I'm picking against you in, too. Very interesting. Um, 20 bucks, zero gain via decision, plus 300. So I think if you're going to pick zero gain... Um, like Dan and, and I were saying the number, we don't like the number coming. You're, you're getting, um, getting back just straight p- picking him to win and having him avoid and gone his power. So I, I think more than likely if he's going to win, he, he'll win via decision. So I really like plus 300 coming back on that, but not, not enough to put a ton of money on. So 20 bucks, uh, will give me a nice return if, if I hit that one. All right, and I'm going to go – you're going to hate this because I'm going to go basically – all the ones I have written down were ones I differed for you almost oh, entirely. Oh, good. You're going to get skunked. Um, so I, I'm also going to go 30 bucks on Francis Ngannou just straight up. I just like the money line there. I like getting positive odds on a guy who I think is the best in the division. All right, so Ngannou, what are we getting here for that? Plus, what did I say? Plus 120. Okay, plus 120 for that. Interesting. I don't know why. There's no point putting the line down because you're going to lose it anyhow. So – but I'll put it down just in case something crazy happens. Um, all right, 30 bucks. Rodolfo Vieira via submission over Wellington Terman. Uh, I'm picking Vieira to win, and that's pretty much his route to victory always. So plus 100, uh, even money. I'd I like to get a bit. I would would have liked to get a bit better than that, but it's way better than the minus 240 on him. I say if you can pick Vieira to win, you may as well um, put him down winning via submission. That's, that's quite a... Um, quite a better line than minus 240. So let's put 30 bucks on that. And I'm going to close by doing 30 more on uh, Tony Gravely, just straight up to all my picks this week are going to be straight up ones. I-, I think he's quite a bit better than Simon Oliveira. Um, and as long as he doesn't tire out here, he should give you a pretty good return on that. Right. So you're actually going to win one because I picked a Gravely too. So, all right. Minus 250 on that. I didn't think I'd be into, I'm like not into props usually, but the past couple of weeks I have been. So, Go figure. Um, but the majority of my money, half of the hundred bucks, fifty bucks is going on Jack Della Madalena to win minus three fifty. High number, so that's why I'm putting a high amount of money on it, um, so I can get a, a fairly decent return. And I think he's uh, going to win this fight over Rodriguez very easily. Um, not least because uh, its name is pronounced Rodriguez and not Rodriguez. So, all right, so that's our picks. I got 20 bucks zero gain winning via decision at plus 300. I got 30 bucks on Rodolfo Vieira winning via submission plus 100 even money. And then I got 50 bucks on Jack Della Madalena to win at minus 350. So that's just an outright win. Dan, 40 bucks on Michael Morales winning outright minus 140. 
30 bucks, Francis Ngannou winning plus 120, and then 30 bucks, Tony Gravely winning minus 250. All right. Anything else for your the MVPs, most valuable props and parlays, Dan? Any other props, or you just want to go right to your, your monster parlay? No, I, I think you, you know, you, you, you sprinkled in some props there that you like. I you think don't when, agree with any of them, though, do you? I, I like Rodolfo Vieta by, yeah, by decision. And I will say, yeah, if you're planning on playing Surreal Game, that's how to play Surreal Game. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. bet, I wouldn't bet him straight up right now. So, yeah, I, I think you made a pretty smart play there. So, um, oh, thank you. For Parlay, I'm going to start with Rodolfo um, straight up because I like Rodolfo. I like Jack Della Maddalena, and I, I, you know, I keep mentioning I really like Michael Morales. I'll throw him in there too. I mentioned that I like Tony Gravely straight up. We'll throw him in there, and we will let's see, round it out with. Oh, screw it! You know, let's just put all of my recommended plays in the same one too. I'll take Francis and Ganu. So all three of my recommended plays: add Rodolfo Vieira and one of your recommended plays, Jack Della Maddalena, and you're gonna get ten to one. Actually, ten and a half to one. Oh, even better. Even better. All right. So that puts a dough, a, a dough. See, end of the show, Jeff's bungling words. That puts a bow on UFC 270. Um, should be a fun fight car. We'll be back on Sunday to break it down and let you know how we did with our picks. Um, in the meantime, you can listen to Dan's Top Turtle podcast, which just showed up in my feed. This week, he has Brian Battle and Matt Frivola on it, correct? That's correct. Yes. Former tough winner, Brian Battle and Matt Steamroller Favola, who we both just picked against, correct? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Which he is a really Dan nice knows. guy, though. He's a great yep. guy. Hey, we're, we're not picking uh, who, who's a better person. We're picking who's a better fighter. So, all right. Um, listen, to that prelim primer just showed up in my, in my uh, podcast, Catcher 2, Dan. It's just nonstop Dan Reeland in my feed. He's got Kurt Chase Patrick, who sometimes fills in on this podcast when I go AWOL. So, Make sure you listen to that too and you hear the guys make their picks for the prelims. Did he KCP differ from your prelim picks much? Yeah, he took he took um well I, I won't spoil it, but he uh don't give he away differed, he differed differed with me on a couple of the um the contender series people. He he had different reads on them than I did. So uh we wound up different on a couple oh, of those. Good. Very good. That's always makes things interesting. Um reader stuff, sportsgamblepodcast.com mma-manifesto.com follow us on twitter we're accepting hate and love i think is how the line goes something like that hate mail and love what what is the line i've love and love and hate mail love and hate mail okay at uh jeff fox writer and gumby vreeland would be him or join our sgpn slack and get in there you can talk to us in there if you want in the fights uh actually anywhere on there but uh, especially in the fights channel um Always lots of fun in there talking about the fights. Um, I think that is it. Let's let Dan take us home. Unless he has something else he needs to say first. No, you you got it all. Uh, I'm Dan Gumby Vreeland. He is the blonde fighter, Jeff Fox. And we will catch you on Sunday.